Hello everyone. You're listening to Third Tech Loop podcast. I'm Finaljeet, your host for today, and we have an another amazing expert on our panel today. Please welcome Mr. Ankit Mahato. Mr. Ankit is an open source developer, a former Jesus scholar, and an idea. He has over a decade of experience with Python and over 6 years of industrial experience in machine learning, quantitative modeling, data analytics, and visualization. He is a lead contributor of T-Test 2, Blue, Blue Harsh Numba, and Open Orange 3 scoring Python packages. He was also a speaker in a lot of inter- international conferences such as PyCon, SkyPy, and GeoPython. Good evening, sir. It's ve- it's our pleasure to have you on board today. Hi, Fanil. Good evening, and I'm really delighted to attend you guys' podcast and. Yeah, let's hope we'll have some chit chat and explore more about data science, open source into this session. Yes, sir. Uh, definitely. Like when going through your profile, you uh, when going through LinkedIn, I like I was awestruck uh, on the amazing uh, all the fields like which you have been covering, uh, and like you had the you had been uh, open source developer for a long time. So, sir, uh, how did you get introduced to open source? Like. What was your journey, uh, which get you kick started in open source? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm from ICSC board. So like all other ICSC board people, yeah, same nice. So we we did some Java programming in ninth and tenth grade, right? And then repeated the same programming <laughs> in C plus plus in eleventh and twelfth. so i i liked programming uh, from my school days but obviously like my fellow schoolmates i was also preparing for engineering so even though i was interested in coding i couldn't find much time apart from pursuing it academically and i used to write some command line snippets i also built a command line version of minesweeper but that was it there was no app development or full stack development or database experience involved there it was just pure uh coding which we are taught in the school days so when i entered iit kanpur i was quite interested in pursuing programming as my hobby so i joined the programming club of the institute which is kind of uh which kinds of uh, trains people when they uh, they are freshers into open source technologies uh into competitive programming concepts into web development concepts so i joined the programming club of the institute which was part of the science and technology council So one amazing thing was that this SNT council had a summer project program for freshers and where people could uh, could stay back in the campus in the first summer break and work on technical projects full time and the best part was that uh, the project was solely driven by you uh, yourself and it was your passion right from the project idea phase to the final presentation phase so uh, i always wanted to pursue pro- programming full time as a hobby and wanted to explore more and so i uh, came up with the idea to build a fractal generator it was it kind of involved uh, computations and a good user interface then 2d plot uh, 2d uh, plotting and 3d plotting and so it was i wanted to build something for the first time which had some gui aspect to it so that's why i built uh, i proposed a project for that using python and got selected and then there was no looking back basically that opened up a whole new world of open source ecosystem for me yeah yeah that's great uh, having ideas and like having a workshop like that in summer 
it's actually a great initiative uh, from the programming kid of So yeah, it's definitely amazing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when you are uh, in campus during the regular semesters, you are like constantly. Uh, you have this academic pressure on top of you, right? You need to. You have mid sems. You have end sems, and uh, you cannot pursue something full time passionately. So this kind of staying back in the summer and uh, pursuing something full time, where you can actually explore the whole world outside. Uh, in the open source domain or open hardware domain many people pursue robotics many people pursue electronics and uh, some people also do business case study so you kind of pursue your passion and definitely my passion uh, lies in uh, software development so i did that and yeah it was truly amazing and that really opened up uh, the open source software ecosystem for me yeah summer is known for uh, people to grow and yeah that's a very good way So, so when we talk about open source, currently one name actually comes up a lot, and that's GSoC. And you have been a former GSoC scholar. So, so what was your GSoC journey? Which organization did you do it under, and what circumstances uh, took you to decide that this organization is my choice? It's perfect. So I actually took part in GSoC under Python Software Foundation at the end of fourth year. So it was uh, I was a dual degree student. So it was in the kind of in the master's program uh, part, and it was related to my field of research, which was heat transfer and computational fluid dynamics. So uh, at the beginning of my research, which was around January of two thousand thirteen, uh, I was looking for Python packages or toolkits which could help me in my research. which was solving lot of differential equations and performing heat transfer and computational fluid dynamics and i there was no such project which could actually be directly plugged into my research so so i decided to contribute in my own way and i got in chats with one of the package developers Uh, of the SFE Pi project, and we discussed ideas on how we can actually go. I can actually contribute and extend it to include some CFD examples, and also uh, you and also extend it to include a phase change solver, which was my research uh, uh, project, and uh, to solve convective diffusive equations. So we got into a discussion, and uh, then I proposed that okay, I'll in during the GSOC this summer, I'll be. going ahead and contributing it so yeah that was kind of my journey so it started like 6 uh, months around 6 months back uh, before the start of the gsoc program uh, i got into the discussion with the lead contributor and then we progressed and uh, he also helped me in crafting my proposal for gsoc so this is one uh, so i got the mentorship required by that uh, lead developer and yeah it was after that uh, gsoc happened and we obviously finished of the project and it was quite amazing experience so in case uh, anyone is interested in gsoc i will definitely recommend first of all find a project which you are passionate about you want to contribute instead of like blindly hunting for uh, open source project you should find something which you are passionate about go ahead talk to lead contributor they are really nice people they will talk to you and they will suggest you recommend you some of the projects which you can undertake and send some pull requests and then definitely go ahead and apply for gsoc and you will get through it uh, there is no worries 
yeah definitely it's important to lay the foundation properly before uh, yeah conquering the giant uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, that was actually great like the way uh, you came up with something that wasn't present and bringing it in again uh, yeah so uh, besides like open source uh, as you talked about you have had a very diverse research profile uh, being a part of iit kanpur which is like one of the most dreamt colleges of prestigious colleges in india doing research over there so what are your views on doing research or getting into research as an undergraduate student yeah so i joined in the btech program at iit kanpur actually when i took admission it was the btech program and uh, btech program was quite challenging uh, in terms of finding some time to actually focus on hardcore research so you have academics you uh, you have courses and then there is also extra curricular activities that you take part in so it is hard to find uh, a lot of time for research so uh, i wanted to get some first hand research experience so i switched to actually dual degree and this provided me the opportunity to actually pursue research full time without uh, without going through any masters or phd program abroad and it was quite an amazing experience if uh, if you get this opportunity as an undergrad and you to get involved in a research project with a professor or some project sponsored by the institute then it will definitely help you improve your analytical skills trust me and in and it is even better if you actually produce some research paper out of it because it will also give you a very good experience of technical writing skills so is as an undergrad if you are getting that opportunity and i'm definitely uh, it is a good idea during uh, to pursue such activities during winter break or summer break because during regular acads it takes quite uh, it is quite taxing so during winter break or summer break talk to your professors uh, reach out to them see if they are working on some research which actually interests you uh, take part in that research and it will definitely help you improve both your analytical skills and also your technical writing skills in terms of uh, writing research papers and and it, and a major challenge as an undergrad is basically basically understanding research papers when we see uh, when we first see the research paper uh, for the first time it is uh, we are like okay what <laughs> uh, it is totally a different language right uh, it is hard to uh, interpret and what is actually happening because they are very concise uh, there are uh, uh, refer- uh, there are references it is uh, not entire li- a line is not explained in a paragraph there are references you need to uh, go look into the reference to see how uh, what those papers are talking about so it is a truly amazing experience it will develop your analytical skills and technical skills so yeah as an undergrad definitely pursue research you will gain a lot from it yeah that's quite insightful and especially uh, like your decision about uh, shifting to a dual degree that's like uh, yeah something which some people like who want to pursue uh, research but they still think about going abroad and then doing masters and then doing research for that exactly yeah. so dual degree program like it's just like uh, adding a year to your academic year uh, it won't matter much in the long run so when we are entering the uh, when we are entering an institute we are thinking that okay why take a five year program let's complete it in four years go join a job but that one year definitely counts uh, you can get the, uh, 
if you are uh, if you want to pursue it uh, in a dedicated fashion you can get a lot of exposure which is similar to actually doing a phd so in phd also you formulate a problem solve it and although the problem is quite intensive but you can say that your thesis your master thesis is also kind of a compressed version of phd thesis so in just one year you gain a lot of experience research experience so definitely if you are still uh, uh, deciding whether or not i will go abroad or to pursue phd full time or should i get into the industry to solve some real life problems you should think of pursuing a dual degree it will that one year won't matter in the long run but that one year will help you gain lot of insights and actually help you decide what do you want to pursue ahead actually a, a good buffer period yeah uh hmm. so uh so uh, like from all the open source projects like we have been talking about right now we have seen yes. something in common <laughs> and that's uh <laughs> python <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah damn <laughs> so it seems like uh, you love python if i'm not wrong uh i kind of have a love hate relationship with python <laughs> so so to tell you guys so uh, like i discussed uh, i got associated with it a decade back during my summer project so it was the summer of 2010 and uh, then i slowly started using it for other projects also so i be- built uh, the backend of virtual acoustics library which was another project at iit kanpur under mhrd so i built the backend where we could sim- uh, generate waveforms using uh, using python code so uh, there python helped me again and then in my third year when i did my internship uh, that was quite surprising because i went to a firm uh, called dassault systems in chennai and uh, they have a very famous frame uh, toolkit called simulia to simulate uh, basically uh, mechanical problems and uh, and heat transfer and everything so they have this toolkit simulia so i again the project which was assigned to me was to build uh, build a reporting framework for this product and that too again python came to my rescue and i built it using python and they had and that uh, simulia also had this uh, uh, option to extend it using python so so again it i was kind of python was the only way to do it and uh, it was go- Uh, it was good enough so i used it so then there was no uh, going back like time and again uh, if i had a problem there was something i wanted to accomplish the python ecosystem always had something to offer so it it was like uh, inseparable so i started using python regularly yeah actually so python and javascript to extend are like two ecosystems which have grown a lot in these years and exactly. you can almost find anything which you think of in python or javascript so yeah. <laughs> yeah there is also a famous xkcd comic on that so basically you can even fly using python they have a, a library for it <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of amazing the ecosystem this because this is open source ecosystem people are contributing across the globe they are working on problems they are contributing back to the society through this ecosystem and yeah python ecosystem always had something to offer so it i kind of uh, am part of that ecosystem now yeah and yeah so 
actually python is a backbone uh, to one more one of the most booming fields right now and that's data science and we exactly. see like another domain which has been an addition to your uh, stars yeah uh, so <laughs> uh what was your journey or how did you get introduced to data science so uh, my journey started with uh, fuzzy logics which is a us based firm which pioneered in in database analytics so post my uh, masters i joined this firm uh, in us and they pioneered in database analytics which was basically this companies uh, so we all have uh, heard about uh, MySQL, SQL Server, Postgres in our uh, college days, but these companies they have tremendous amount of data. Fortune 500 firms, so they have tremendous amount of data, and they and this was like some time before uh, the Hadoop uh, era that arrived. So so these uh, companies had these uh, huge data warehouses. So the, these uh, uh, data warehouses were like uh, you can say. Uh, size of a cupboard so and with tons of disks and also tons of cores in them so so this company actually pioneered making software analytical software to actually process the data in the data warehouse itself so earlier people used to uh, pick out the uh, data from the warehouse move it to an analytical server then use sas or some other rs or some other software to actually process that data and provide some insights but this is quite time consuming because you have to take uh, terabytes of data outside the warehouse so so in this company i got the first an exposure how actually you can bring uh, analytics near the source which was the data warehouse itself so the codes that i wrote as a data scientist first ran on this uh, uh, high performance databases and they used to generate uh, analytics uh, analytical insights on the fly then i uh, so i developed uh, statistical and machine learning algorithms for the netiza platform netiza is one such data warehouse and then i went on to become a platform lead uh, of netiza platform and uh, there i actually worked with the customers so till now i was like developing the algorithms running them for uh, uh, for data sets but i did not get that exposure of actually seeing it uh, run by a client so as a platform lead i was able to deploy the these uh, the software and see it in action uh, how it tremendously benefited the firms by running analytics uh, data through data science and analytics they derive tremendous value and i saw it in real life uh, in real life so as a uh, so after that i became a product manager where i was kind of a bridge between the developers and users so uh, the users will come up with uh, new uh, requirements as in if they if we can build something which will help them uh, get their analytics faster or if if i can do something to actually reduce the workflow so that also gave me a lot of exposure on how these uh, companies they build their analytics pipeline the entire workflow from consuming data to actually getting the results and acting on it and so this was so till now i was still part of the analytical life cycle where i started off with uh, uh, the problem analyzing uh, fetching the data then analyzing it and uh, building models and exporting it and putting it in production but uh, then i joined uh, jp morgan uh, because i wanted to explore more and i got this opportunity to actually see the 
other part which is the model as a client uh, i got to see how the model management happens how you review the models and actually monitor them uh, to see if or not the models are performing so then this brought the entire data li data science life cycle to a complete circle where i started off with the data and till the monitoring until i found a new problem so so that was it was a quite exciting journey it took me around actually it took me around 5 years to actually witness the entire analytical life cycle in real life and yeah it was quite amazing yeah so so uh, moving on uh, we have seen uh, we have another we have another aspect which we see to you as uh, you loved open source so much that you actually follow it as a full time so uh, what uh, what were the circumstances which took you over there uh, to follow open source as a full time endeavor so after witnessing the entire life cycle uh, in basically in my job so and got i got the first time experience of the entire life cycle and i observed how open source technologies and projects were actually simply killing it so in the data science field uh, commercial softwares are ha having a very hard time catching up with open source uh, products and i saw them like killing it full hand so it i wanted to become a full stack so i so in in my job i was working on certain isolated bits right uh, in the first phase i was doing developing then in the second phase i was working with the client and in the third phase i was like doing uh, model review my management and uh, monitoring but uh, but it was still i uh, kind of segmented so so i wanted to pursue a big i wanted to actually become a full full stack data scientist where i get involved from the start to the end of the life cycle and uh, using the open source technologies and uh, that's why i like i started my venture into open source uh, full time and and the titus 2 project which i maintain was one of the first things that i did because uh we all know that we are building models and uh, uh, evaluating it and we are happy with it but nobody talks about exporting it and deploying it so uh, so i went into the uh, looked into the titus framework the first version and uh, the specification the open source specification that they had and i really liked it and so i went uh, ahead and extended it into titus 2 i improved it further added support for python 3 and uh, so that it works with any python any python 3x uh, software and so that people can export the scikit-learn models and actually deploy it using the titus scoring engine on even on uh, iot devices like raspberry pi so you don't need to install complete library or scikit-learn on raspberry pi to execute it you can just uh, just install titus 2 which is pretty small and has a very uh, small footprint and you can ex uh, score the models on the raspberry pi device so that's why i went ahead and pursue open source and yeah i also work as a freelance full stack data scientist so whenever people have problem with their data science life cycle i can plug it in yeah that's great so like for my understanding of titus 2 uh, it's something like when we compile a binary it takes all only the necessary parts and uh, gives you out the binary so it's something along that lines if i'm not wrong right so uh, basically it is called a mo uh, it is kind of like a model serialization format so we all uh, so it is something similar to json 
that uh, json is like the format of talking across the web so whenever we are talking about data transfer across the web it's like json right you send across a json but uh, but for models we don't have uh, much uh, serialization formats uh, for example for tensorflow they have a saved model and others also for deep learning it is quite evolved so in deep learning they have a new onyx specification so it is quite involved for but for traditional uh, machine learning it is still not that involved they have pmml and pfa so titus 2 is built on top of that pfa specification and it, you can export uh, data preparation step, uh, steps and uh, the modeling part uh, whatever the mo uh, for example if you perform a uh, linear regression uh, after you do it in, in your computer and figure out okay these are the coefficients so it will it will store only, the file will only store the coefficients and it will not have anything to do with the data so you will only have the coefficients and you can it will be a very small file which we can we you can uh, put it into the titus 2 scoring engine and on the new data set you will uh, get the results which are required yeah. at the near the source of the data yeah yeah that was yeah, good explanation quite insightful uh, i had some misconceptions uh, yeah thank you for clearing them uh yeah so uh moving on like you have uh, like we have seen till now you have knowledge a uh, diverse knowledge or so many various uh, different domains so uh what are some advices which uh you would like to give to an undergraduate student <laughs> so yeah so basically we are all part of the same educational system but uh, we have to realize that we are not the same so ultimately it is when we are entering a college as an undergrad uh, undergrad it is ultimately up to us to actually find our strengths and polish our skills accordingly so the four years of undergrad will provide you with uh, ample time to actually explore uh, what you are really passionate about so do that uh, explore what you are passionate about uh, play pubg or uh, <laughs> binge watch netflix a little less <laughs> obviously you <Yeah>. cannot <laughs> completely get rid of it so watch it a little less use that time to build bonds with people uh, often we are like i when we are preparing for our engineering we are kind of like isolated we we are like everyone is like uh, our competition and uh, so in undergrad it's not like that build bonds with people remember 1 plus 1 uh when you are building a uh, as a team is much much greater than two so build bonds with people share ideas uh, even the python ecosystem uh, like in my case also i came across python ecosystem because i was talking to my uh, friends and sharing my ideas what i want to build and they only suggested me that okay there is one such ecosystem which can help you which is python so it was not like i stumbled upon it uh, it was during the sharing of ideas and talking to people i uh, i got to know about it so build bonds with people share ideas and definitely find your passion and trust me you will not regret it yeah that's yeah that's actually great uh, so yeah i go python and all getting involved you always share when you always share knowledge Uh, you always get something or the other, and yeah, that's like some of the reasons we have been taking such initiatives, like the Tech Loop podcast and all, so that we can get these advices and all to major masses out there. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. This uh, your uh, you guys have started this initiative, and I really find it quite exciting, and it is really good because people will definitely get to know more about uh, the what is going around in the world and actually share ideas. And yeah, you guys have also started the Discord channel to enable people to communicate with each other, have workshops, and yeah, it is really great initiative. So definitely, my luck is with you guys. Thanks a lot, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, so moving on, uh, so like so we are we covered a lot of domains, and there's like uh, another thing which like un- a lot of undergraduate people or even like uh, people who are at job do, and it's freelance. So, sir, what do you think about freelance as a field? This is a very common uh, conception among among everyone that. Uh, people like kind of dislike it for some of them it's like uh, both of the parties at times do not agree uh, because like uh, yeah it's always uh, between a raw client and a customer uh, and a developer so at times people like to dislike it uh, yeah so what are your thoughts on this freelancing is actually great if it is done right so it is very important to communicate uh, so most of this uh, dissatisfaction occurs due to the lack of communication so it is very important to communicate and get detailed requirements and specification with the client and along with that also set up the right expectations if you overpromise and underdeliver it will definitely cause that dissatisfaction so it's very important to communicate get detailed requirements uh, get the detailed specification what they actually want how it should look everything get everything uh, the details of everything and uh, set up the right expectations in terms of timeline that if if, if it takes uh, like if it takes 2 weeks at least keep some buffer so that you don't under deliver the product so uh, set up the right timeline and if they the clients always try to push for a, a shorter timeline right but uh, don't uh, don't budge in you set the right expectation that okay this is the time it will take and definitely they will agree they also know that uh, it will take that time but they will always try to minimize their costs and p- push for a shorter duration so set the right expectation uh, since i already worked as a product manager it surely helped me a lot because uh, if you are planning to get into freelancing uh, there is something called as the scrum guide it will help you uh, just go ahead and read it uh, it is a free a freely available resource read the scrum guide it will help you design your goals and the your delivery sprints so that both parties the client and you are well aware of the progress with minimum dissatisfaction so so apply some uh, learn some pro- product management concepts and it will help you as a developer also to pursue freelancer uh, seamlessly and not get into such hassles uh, such as the client is dissatisfied and you are also racking your brain so set up timelines goals sprints and it it will definitely be quite a pleasing journey because you will own the entire uh, product so that is quite amazing yeah that's actually true uh, like for people like who have been a new a bit new they usually tend to overpromise get excited so exactly yeah so it's better to have a guide with you of scrum as uh, like you mentioned scrum guide scrum in general helps a lot so yeah uh, that's quite uh, good uh, so now uh, let's uh, step up uh, our game 
and let's get to more fun so we'll enter our next segment uh, which we term as sketchy banter where i'll ask you six questions and you need to answer them instantaneously right okay no problem yeah so first thing a uh, first question if i were to ask you to follow only one domain which one would it be for me it would be data science and machine learning because the satisfaction that you gain when you actually take the raw data produce insights which the companies can actually act on and you can witness the change cannot be put into words nowadays uh, these pipelines are put into production in a very short time frame so you actually see whatever you do in action and see how the company is benefiting from it so uh, so it's just phenomenal so for me it will be data science and ml any day yeah <laughs> that's great uh moving on a second question if i say you can't use python from today which language okay. would you shift to and why um, i will choose dart oh. uh, for that purpose oh. yeah uh, so i will choose dart because uh you can write uh, server side codes and because of flutter framework you can also develop cross platform applications so that is one of the major reasons i'll choose dart because you can write both back end and front end codes and i'm not saying it is python replacement in all aspects because python is the language of data so it is not a replacement of that you don't have any replacement for pandas numpy or anything like that but if you want to build an end to end application that Uh, and you uh, and if i do not have access to python i will definitely go ahead and build it using dart yeah that's great actually uh, so like uh, as you talked about like sort of replacement of python each language has its own unique features which it's provide uh, and yeah dart like usually dart has been only perceived with along with flutter but uh, what people don't know is uh, flutter what flutter was an idea which went to dart so Google team first thought about Flutter and then yeah, while Dart, looking for languages. Yeah, so I'm sorry. Yeah, so Dart. Yeah, Dart was quite old. It was yeah. like uh, it was published in 2011, so it was quite old. Flutter is just three years old, but the uh, but Flutter, but Dart actually also it's kind of uh, mutual. So Dart actually gained prominence because of Flutter framework. So it was. Uh, it was uh, both of the projects benefited from each other and to so in python you have uh, the option to also build back end and front end using django and flask frameworks right you can build a full uh, and also you have cross platform widgets like wx and others which you can plug in and make uh, applications so dart is also quite unique because uh, in python you have to use separate packages to develop applications for uh, for example for web application you have to use something uh, different for uh, developing for desktop you have to use a different framework but uh, something i like about uh, this flutter is that you can write only once and you can deploy it on any any platform so definitely it is it kinds of also as a individual it kinds of speeds up the development uh, cycle so you cannot write tons of codes and maintain it so as an individual if you are uh, doing a end to end project it will uh, for me it will definitely dart will definitely be the choice because i can build both the back end and front end a very uh, in a very fast fashion yeah yeah maybe like that one of the reason why like uh, 
a lot of startups have been um, going to Flutter, like choosing Flutter as the main platform. Yeah. So, so moving on, like a third question: Which programming language do you hate the most? Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> hate is actually a very strong word. <laughs> I I do not I know I I do not hate a language per se. But uh, actually, I do not prefer languages like uh, Java and C plus plus. Frankly, uh, purely purely because they are uh, not user friendly when you are working on large projects. So it it becomes very cumbersome when you are using Java C plus plus as the uh, as for developing large products, and you spend a lot of time in writing tons of lines of code so whatever you can do it in java or c++ you can do it in a very few lines in python so you spend a lot of time writing tons of lines of codes and debugging is also a painful process because these languages have to be compiled ahead of time and then you have to execute it right so so there is no f- uh, such facility as the jupyter notebook where we, you can execute each statement and see the progress of what is happening so i'm not saying that these languages are not worth learning they are they are really amazing to learn the programming concepts and actually if you are using it to build something it is really good because you you have to uh, you need to think of language as a tool to achieve the end goal so i personally have coded in uh, c++ uh, sql in when i was in fuzzy logics and also and in jp morgan i used python and in my master's thesis i coded the entire thing in fortran like i told you uh, there was nothing which i could find it in python so i had to code it in fortran to get, achieve those speeds so you should choose whatever language is most suitable for the task it is very important to at least learn one language in and out so that you are comfortable to switch you should choose any language that is suitable and since in real life we will mostly deal with data uh, we mostly deal with data in real life so i definitely i like python uh for that reason but uh, definitely uh, if you tell me to uh, do some analytical uh, problem using java or c++ i will, <laughs> I, will yeah. I will have difficulty doing it yeah that, that's actually a very good point where you mentioned that programming language is only a tool people kind of like uh, get emotional <laughs> with what programming language they're using yeah so so actually yeah you should actually you should not get emotionally attached to a programming language like uh, like nowadays if people are like talking about dart and flutter you should go ahead and at least look at some of the good aspects of it for example in dart in dart you have a very good uh, async uh, asynchronous yeah. programming support which is not there in uh, python so you should not get offended with it i am a python pro developer uh, it's not like that i will not use dart you should not, never get offended with it language is just a tool so just go ahead if a language suits a particular problem if you are well versed in any of the programming languages there will be no difficulty switching just go ahead and implement it because solving the problem is more important than actually uh, getting emotionally attached to a tool so yeah that is one thing yeah. <laughs> that you should note yeah yeah that's right uh, so moving on for first fourth question we have so uh, i see like uh, from uh, beginning itself we have been involved in computer science and there's an interesting fact like while going through your linkedin i saw your school name as tbms so that was <laughs> actually quite funny for me 
दक्षिण भारतीय महिला समाज विच इज सोशल ऑर्गेनाइजेशन स्टार्टेड बाय हाईली मोटिवेटेड वुमेन ऑफ फ्रॉम साउथ इंडिया इन जमशेदपुर सो आई एम फ्रॉम जमशेदपुर सो दिस हाईली मोटिवेटेड वुमेन स्टार्टेड दिस ऑर्गेनाइजेशन एंड दैट्स वाई द नेम डे बी एम एस स्टैंड फॉर दक्षिणा भारतीय महिला समाज एंड माई स्कूल इज वन ऑफ द मैनी एजुकेशनल इंस्टीट्यूट्स दैट दे ओवर सी इन एंड अराउंड द सिटी या सो दैट्स द रीजन इट्स नथिंग टू डू विद डेटा बेस मैनेजमेंट so yeah that was again uh, uh, now uh, moving on to our fifth question so one extracurricular activity which you absolutely love to do except programming uh, the one activity that i really like uh, except programming is swimming so <laughs> i find it quite relaxing yeah. and yeah i love swimming so definitely yeah actually swimming helps a lot uh, uh, i i i'm also involved in swimming from a lot of years and it yeah it helps you relieve stress out at times yeah the the uh, the weightless uh, the weightlessness that you experience in the pool that nobody can express it in words so yeah that is truly amazing experience yeah yeah uh, now to moving on to our last question uh and <laughs> yeah so which is the one question you wanted for us not to ask you mm, uh, there is nothing like that <laughs> just don't be shy <laughs> just don't be shy you can ask me anything uh, uh, i am there on linkedin or twitter just send me a direct message i'll be more than happy to answer yeah. so there is no, there is nothing to hide from oh <laughs> uh, yeah that was a very interesting and insightful conversation with you sir thank you for uh, taking out time to uh, be on this podcast and help each and everyone listening to this podcast yeah thanks thank you fenel it was an amazing experience uh, coming to your podcast and yeah i definitely i hope uh, people will get some insights and spend their undergrad years uh, well and actually go ahead and uh embrace the open source culture that is on the rise and just go ahead feel free ask me anything uh, if you guys have any doubts i am there on linkedin on twitter and yeah i'll be happy more than happy to answer it i hope you enjoyed this podcast if you liked it please do consider subscribing we try to come up with such awesome content in each and every episode so until next one stay in the loop